You're listening to Embolden Adventures. I'm Sarah, and welcome to the podcast. Hello, listeners and adventurers. Welcome to another episode of the Embolden Adventures podcast show. Embolden Adventures, be emboldened. Embolden Adventures is meant to inspire you to travel, to get out there, to explore, to learn. Let Embolden Adventures encourage you to take those steps to experience the world. Follow along on the adventure. Visit the website at emboldenadventures.com. Sign up for email updates on new content and ideas. Follow Embolden Adventures on Facebook and social media. And subscribe to the Embolden Adventures podcast show on the podcast page of the Embolden Adventures website. Please rate the podcast and tell us what you think. This video that I'm making is going to introduce and summarize the seven ayahuasca experiences that I participated in recently. These ceremonies are part of my epic five-week adventure across the world. I traveled from New York to Morocco for 10 days, visiting Marrakesh, Fez, Meknes, Chefchaouen, and Casablanca. From there, in one fell swoop, I flew from one end of the Atlantic Ocean on the African shores all the way to New York City on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. And then from there, I transferred to Lima, Peru. From Lima, I flew on to Iquitos, deep within the Amazon rainforest in Peru. Iquitos is the largest city in the world that's inaccessible by any road. 500,000 people live in the area, and people can only reach Iquitos by uh, boat or by plane. Strategically, it sits where five rivers converge, and it's where the Amazon River begins. We stayed at the Temple of the Way of Light, located deep in the jungle, 30 minutes away from Iquitos by boat. From Iquitos, we took a motorized long canoe along the Nene River. Then off the main river, we hooked a right into the flooded mangrove forest and slowly snaked our way through by boat. Once we got to shore, we walked through the rainforest for another 30 minutes along the path until we reached the temple. For two weeks, we were completely off-grid and out of touch with the world that I know. The purpose of my time away was to participate in seven ayahuasca ceremonies led by five maestros and maestras of the Shibibo tribe. The Shibibo people believe that ayahuasca is a powerful plant medicine capable of healing people of physical, emotional, spiritual, and mental ailments. Ayahuasca is not a fortune teller. Rather, ayahuasca is a mirror into your subconscious mind that allows you to see within using your conscious mind. Those that have worked with ayahuasca tend to have profound experiences that positively change the way they see their world going forward. Throughout the two weeks, I made several detailed videos documenting each of my seven ayahuasca experiences. These vlogs can be found on my Emboldened Adventures YouTube channel, so be sure to check them out in detail. Please subscribe here on my Emboldened Adventures YouTube channel. Thank you. 
In the meantime, I want to start out by saying that I am not advocating that anyone take ayahuasca. It is a powerful medicine that can result in some scary experiences, including feeling as if you're going mentally insane, as I did during my last ceremony. The Shabibo people have a long, tenured experience working with this plant medicine. Also, the temple has trained facilitators on staff to monitor your entire process and to work with you directly to console you if you need it. And I noticed that the psychedelic effects of ayahuasca do not kick into full gear until the maestros and the maestras work their healing magic using their Icaros songs. I've always been a bit curious about ayahuasca and I've heard about it here and there from some people I know who've traveled to South America. I've heard about this experience firsthand or sometimes secondhand. And now lately, it's been making its way to the United States, in particular in Brooklyn and in the Catskills in upstate New York. Others who have been working with ayahuasca include soldiers who have been suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder from war. There's a documentary video out now called From Shock to Awe that addresses post-traumatic stress disorder and how soldiers are using ayahuasca to heal. I'd recommend you check it out. Ayahuasca is even being used in conflict resolutions in places like Israel and in Colombia with the guerrilla activists and other places in South America with the indigenous tribes and oil companies. For me, though, the, the opportunity for ayahuasca presented itself in October. My friend Michelle signed up for this ayahuasca retreat. I think you may know Michelle from one of my past Emboldened Adventures podcasts. I featured her talking about her two-week meditation retreat, uh, in a Kriya Yoga retreat, uh, deep within uh, India. So I'd recommend you check it out. I was interested in going with Michelle too to this temple, but I already had this Morocco trip planned and I had a full-time job to come back to. So for me, this opportunity seemed futile. I said to Michelle, if I get laid off, which at the time I didn't think was a possibility, then I'd come with her to the temple of the way of light. And as the universe works, lo and behold, just days after saying this, I got laid off. Uh, I was part of a large uh, wave of layoffs for my team and for my larger organization on the whole. So here it was, Sarah. I had to put up or shut up. Am I going to do this or not? I never thought I'd have the courage to uh, sign up for a retreat like this, like ever. And so I relied on Michelle's boldness uh, to go forward. And I would say that, you know, maybe she emboldened me. <laughs> So following suit, I did a ton of research, mainly by watching testimonial videos of people who've done ayahuasca. And as luck would have it, the dates of these, this retreat aligned perfectly with my Morocco trip. Also, a series of coincidences pointed me into this direction as well. But most importantly, however, I had a very vivid meditative vision of myself in the rainforest. This vision came to me while I participated in a Dr. Brian Weiss past life regression event in the Javits Center in New York City. This event happened three years ago to the date that I got laid off uh, when I got word I was getting laid off. And this vision, I saw myself as an indigenous man walking through a rainforest holding a spear in my hand. Then I went inside a jungle hut that had a stone temple dedicated to the Wiracocha, the pre-Inca sun god. 
And then there was Pachamama, who's the pre-Inca goddess, or better known as Mother Earth. She came to me. She had flowers in her hair, and she was wearing this fuchsia and blue colored dress. She gave me some guidance. She said, be present, be happy, and she told me that I was going to be leading. This memory dawned on me when I was at a pizzeria with Michelle in the Lower East Side in New York City. I remembered this vision after I paid my deposit to the temple. And Michelle confirmed that this vision was true because she was sitting next to me at this Dr. Brian Weiss event that I forgot about. So here it was, it seemed that the ayahuasca spirit was beckoning me to come to the Amazon rainforest. And into the trek, so the trek into the uh, rainforest I, I made. And so what is ayahuasca? Ayahuasca is this vine that grows in the Amazon jungle. So here it is. This is a, a slice of the vine. It was given to me as a gift after I left the temple. It's a, it's a cross-sectional piece of it, both. This vine is brewed together with the charcuna leaf. The Shibibo call ayahuasca plant medicine, and it's this medicine that contains the molecule DMT. DMT is a hallucinogenic that occurs naturally in many plants and in animals. It's referred to as the spirit molecule due to its intense psychedelic experiences it creates. This ayahuasca vine doesn't have the DMT, actually. It's a charcuna leaf that contains the DMT. And what ayahuasca does is it works to inhibit an MAO enzyme that occurs naturally in our bodies. This MAO enzyme normally blocks the effects of any DMT. And when introducing ayahuasca, it clears the way for the DMT in the charcuna leaf to reach the brain and the body. And what's interesting is that these two plants, the ayahuasca vine and the charcuna leaf, do not grow next to each other in the vast Amazon jungle. We learned that 40,000 known species and another 120,000 unknown species of plants grow in the Amazon. And so how did these Shipibo people know that these two plants need to work together, given all the amounts of combinations of plants in the Amazon rainforest? Well, they'll tell you that the plants themselves told them. The maestros and the maestras can feel the vibrations of different plants. And that's how they discovered that ayahuasca and charcuna should be combined together. It was through matching the similar vibrations of these plants. The Shibibo people believe in and understand spirit energies. Some have gifts in communication with animal spirits, and others have gifts in communication with the plant spirits. They begin training at a very young age in the rainforest during long stretches of isolation to learn how to hear the plants. When spending time in isolation, these maestros and maestras learn the vibrations or the songs of these plants. These songs are called Icaros. They memorize many of these melodies and sing them in ceremony in combination of Shibibo, Quechua, and Spanish languages. Quechua is the language used by the Inca. Here is an example of an Icaros sung by Maestra Olga. Okay. 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 
Unfortunately, due to the recent spike in popularity of ayahuasca, this vine is becoming quite scarce. It takes seven years for it to grow before it can be chopped down and ready for brewing. It's boiled for two days with the charcuna leaves until it becomes a thick brown tea. And how does it taste? Well, I'll tell you, it tastes gross. <laughs> it's like a stale red wine or some sort of masala wine with lemon. It's sour, it's acidic, it's not great. And so I was one of 23 people from around the world to participate in these ayahuasca ceremonies for over two weeks. We were at this beautifully situated campus deep within the rainforest. The temple has two ponds surrounded by tall palm trees and they have the maestros residence and our eating quarters. The campus has a permaculture center and a garden and places for us to meditate and reflect. On the site, we have our maloka, which is our circular ceremonial building with a pointy thatched roof. Our tambos are individual homes made out of cedar wood and thatched roofs. It's in our tambos that we have clean water for washing and private toilets. But here's the kicker. The toilets don't use water. Instead, we use cedar sawdust to cover our tracks. It's sort of like kitty litter. It sounds gross, but it's actually not that bad. Our program facilitators are two PhD academics who run the program and are doing research. They provide group and individual counseling sessions and they also give us some informational talks as well. We had a number of other invaluable people helping us and the maestros and maestras throughout the ceremonies. Also, we had countless local workers tending to the upkeep of the facility, including laundry services, porting our luggage, and cooking our food. It's without them, this experience wouldn't be what it was. So we were very grateful for their help and their hard work. The seven ceremony schedule was pretty intense. Over the two weeks, we had uh, two days of ceremonies followed by one day off and then we had another three days of ceremonies followed by another day off. Then we had two more ceremonies that concluded the week, the two weeks. And so ceremony one is the diagnosis and assessment ceremony. Ceremonies two and three are the cleansing and flushing ceremonies. Ceremonies four, five, and six are the energy and realigning ceremonies. And the final ceremony, ceremony seven, is arcana, or the stitching and healing ceremony. The arcana, our crown chakra, is very sensitive after this ceremony. We were instructed to cover our heads from any sunlight or rain following, for the following three days to protect our crown after the arcana ceremony. Leading up to the ceremonies, we had to adhere to a strict ayahuasca diet, or dieta as it's called. No sex, drugs, alcohol, pork, red meat, refined sugar, salt, spicy food, caffeine, or ice. During the retreat, we were eating light and clean meals as well. And then after the ceremonies concluded, we had to continue with a modified dieta for four additional weeks. Mainly, we had to restrict pork, sex, drugs, and alcohol. 
The first day we met our maestros and maestras, Olga, Benito, Richard, Teresa, and Anita, they told us how long they've apprenticed with the plants. It was an average 10 years. And then they told us how long they've been healing, which is about 15 years. Where they came from, typically it's a boat ride, how long from this town called Pukara, which is about three hours on average to the temple. They told us their Shipibo names and what their favorite plant is. Manuela is their plant expert and she administers the plant remedies each day and she gave us the floral baths before all ceremonies. Clementia is their cook. Benito Shibibo name means anaconda man and Richard Shibibo name means protector of the wind. Due to my intense fear of snakes, I had my eye on Benito. <laughs> Richard's advice for us was to stay calm and to work through the ayahuasca effects. Olga encouraged us to be in the moment and be mindful of whatever we would feel with ayahuasca. We were encouraged to come to ceremony with no expectations and to not get frustrated because some of us actually didn't feel the effects of ayahuasca for a few ceremonies. They believe that human and non-human spirits share the same essence and that we're all the same, just in different shapes and forms. And what ayahuasca does is it's a channel of communication between us and this natural world. When we started with all this, I came with a healthy dose of skepticism on whether ayahuasca and the psychedelic visions were even real. I wasn't even sure if these healings were real as well. Mind you, I've never touched any hard drugs and I've never done any psychedelics before, so my basis of comparison was basically nothing. <laughs> but I do know that my psychic party tricks, as I like to call them, feel very curious to me. And my third eye here, it's very visual during my meditations. I see a purple lava lamp or some sort of blob that moves when I'm in deep meditation. My teacher, Pat Longo, opened this third eye up during an energy healing session. And my past life regression hypnosis sessions with Dr. Brian Weiss and with Pat Longo are also very vivid experiences for me. And I, experiences, I experience coincidences all the time. I know that from my engineering school and my advanced mathematics and statistics classes that coincidences are in fact not coincidences at all. They're actually mathematically explainable. So if I know all this, why would I want to experience ayahuasca in the first place? Well, my intentions for this retreat were really sevenfold. Number one, it was for me to understand these psychic experiences. Two, it was for me to discover and understand God. Three, I wanted to develop an unwavering sense of faith. Four, I wanted to find my purpose in life. Five, I wanted to dig deep within my psyche to release any traumas. Six, I wanted to fix my anger. And seven was for me to understand ancient aliens and the pyramids of Egypt. I'm serious about this point. <laughs> My skeptic brain still says maybe. I think we were bound for an hallucination or two, given that we were sleep deprived, we were eating very minimally, and we were out of touch with our natural world for a stretch of two weeks. However, by the end of this experience, I think I'm closer to saying that I'm no longer a skeptic about this. From this two week epic experience, I have a new budding relationship with God. I learned that we, all, we are all part of one consciousness that's infinite and ever-changing. 
I saw that our three-dimensional world right here in the right now is a hologram and that there is this multi-dimensional universe beyond this material veil. I saw that our universe is governed by one consciousness and this, this one consciousness, it's this ever-loving energy of God. In yoga, they talk about raising your vibrational energies. Well, I finally understood what that means. I understood that the highest and most awesome, powerful vibrational energies are love and compassion. And therefore, that's God. Love and compassion are the highest powers there are. I saw that lower vibrational energies, such as hate, anger, impatience, worry, anxiety, all those belong in this lower three-dimensional world that we live in. They don't exist in this higher realm. In my visions, I saw these emotions turn into obsidian rock and get pushed away with one fell swoop. And then I realized that it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. It doesn't matter. There's an infinite, awesome world beyond this material world that we live in. So otherwise, nothing matters. And for this concept, I would recommend reading a book that I'm reading now by David Kars called Perfect Brilliant Stillness. He talks more about this concept. Additionally, I saw that time doesn't exist. It's a construct that's made by man. The past, present, and future all are combined as one in this higher multidimensional world beyond our material world. And now I understand that there's no such thing as coincidences. Everything and everyone is interconnected, as I clearly saw behind the veil. I was told that we weren't to eat red meat, just chicken and fish. And it's very important that we protect the plants. The world has to protect the plants and, and nature, because here in nature is where we humans can heal. Personally, I understood and released my traumas and anger that were pent up over my life. And I'm feeling better about seeking my purpose. And lastly, I think I now understand how Machu Picchu and the ancient Egyptian pyramids were built. As I mentioned, I go into considerable detail on my video journals on my Emboldened Adventures YouTube channel. So please check them out here and subscribe to Emboldened Adventures. But in the meantime, I'll give you my summary here. We start the pre-ceremony work with floral baths, followed by yoga and meditation in the maloka. After our pre-ceremony is finished, the maestros and the maestras eventually enter the maloka and get situated at the center of our ceremonial space. Already they've taken their ayahuasca and they're now smoking their mapacho cigarettes that are pure tobacco. These are it here. They smoke in silence in a zen-like state, puffing away, looking up. At some point, it's either Benito or Richard who quietly whispers an Icaros song into the bottle of ayahuasca, and then he walks it over to Teresa. The facilitators approach Teresa and begin to call us up one by one until each of us take our dose of ayahuasca. The vibe in the Maloka is quiet, but a bit intense because each of us are making peace with and, and we're finding the courage to face whatever may come from ayahuasca. At this point, it's true silence. We wait some more and I smoke my mapacho cigarette to keep down the ayahuasca 
and to remain calm in my meditative state. They blow out the flame from the gas lamps and that leaves us in complete darkness amongst the frogs and insect sounds of the rainforest. Ayahuasca begins her journey within our bodies. At first I get sleepy and I'm resting my head. But then, after who knows how long, the maestros and the maestras begin to sing their ikros in a collective unison. It's reverberating and it's awesome. In the first ceremony, I began crying tears of joy when I first heard these ikros. To me, it sounded that beautiful. I woke up, it seemed, from my subconscious slumber, like I was in a hibernation of sorts. And then I felt like I became this butterfly sprite that sprung out from its cocoon. I had these wings that came out from me. At first, the ikros, um, once those first ikros were over, the maestros and maestras come up to each of us in our circle. Throughout the rest of the ceremony, we receive personal ikros healings from each of the maestros and the maestras directly. And I think that's where this real fun begins. We were instructed to sit upright to fully receive the Ikaros energy. And we must try with all of our might to keep our loosey-goosey body, for, we had to keep it sitting upright. We were just very kind of relaxed at this point. But thankfully we had some chairs to, to use um, so we could use for back support. Each time Richard and Benito sung their Ikaros to me, I did the purge the famous guttural visceral purge from which ayahuasca is well known for. It's during these second or third ceremonies, or ikros I should say, that where my purge comes. It's also coming from the other direction as well. And that's um, when that happens, we have these angels that assist us to the bathroom. Um, they're local villager, people from the village who are hired to assist during the ceremony. And when the ikros are going on, I can see them in visual form. They look like white lines that vibrate, and sometimes they look like concentric circles, like thumbprints. So this embroidery here, this is what Olga actually made. And you can see the patterns. Um, she said, this, these are the ikros. And when she pointed them out, she would sing as if they were music notes. So when I'm seeing this ikros, this is where I think I don't call ayahuasca bullshit. When the maestro is done singing, they move over to the next person in the circle, and that's where my psychedelic experiences begin in my head. I see these visions as colorful, multi-dimensional universes beyond the three-dimensional world we live in and know of. It seems like the concept of string theory in physics that manifests into a visual form. Dimensions are kind of like, not like clusters that rotate and are evenly distributed on this two-dimensional graphic plane. My visions are also consisting of colorful fractals, lifelike visions of people and places, almost like a lucid dream, geometric shapes, and also electric colors. At some point, I was entering into people's dreams, and I saw movie reels going through my entire life. And I think I saw what may be future predictions as well. Like, for example, I predicted that Pete Buttigieg would win the Iowa caucus. And mind you, I've been out of pocket with no access to email or any sort of news since February 3rd, and way before the Iowa caucuses began. 
Also, I was convinced in my visions that Mike Bloomberg would be president. I said, write it down, I would yell out loud, and would continue to yell this in my visions. But I did write it later down, well, I did write it down later in my journal on February 7th. And that's when Mike Bloomberg started to become uh, more popular in the polls. And in ceremony two, I felt like I had this cat-like demon inside my body. I growled and I snarled and I curled my nostrils up. My neighbor thought I was having an exorcism. Then I expelled this demon through a deep, long, visceral purge as Richard was singing his Ikros to me. After I vomited basically everything out of my guts, I sat comfortably in a child pose in yoga, and then I began to slither my body like an anaconda snake that I thought I was. None of this scared me one bit. I was fully aware of what the fuck was going on in my brain. But in this ceremony, I was releasing the negative energies and thoughts that were pent up inside me for so long. It was during these ceremonies that I saw mapacho and incense smoke show up as visual dimensions inside my psychedelic visions. My neighbor was burning a Palo Santos wood incense, and it added this particular materiality in my ayahuasca psychic realm. The Palo Santos scent is very similar to the incense that I have smelled from Navajo Nation in the United States. Some other psychedelic scenes that I saw were shears of two-dimensional planes that were kind of cutting across a multi-dimensional universe. I even saw how they built the pyramids. They lift up the rocks with their hands. They use energetic vibrations, I was told. I was also told that the ancient pre-Inca and the ancient Egyptians are actually non-human beings that live in this multi-dimensional world that I was visiting through these psychedelic trips. I know, it sounds bonkers, <laughs> but that's what I saw and I, I understood it to be. I saw God figures rise up into the sky, building up like Lego blocks. I saw Jesus. He's a white, shining Lego block that towered in a form over me. And I also saw the sun god Wiracocha. He, was, he looked like Jesus too. Wiracocha is the god that I saw in my Dr. Brian Weiss past life regression sessions that I mentioned earlier. Wiracocha grew up into the sky into this Lego block form. And while that was happening, I could hear some booming echo voice announcing his presence, saying, Wiracocha. I also saw the white light of God. God, to me, is actually in fractal form, and it had a vast white background with like yellow flowers and fractal designs. Mama Ayahuasca Spirit made this introduction to God for me only when I was ready to see him. I could feel Mama Ayahuasca. She's a divine feminine spirit that lives inside this ayahuasca vine. She came inside my body and blended within my soul. At first I was confused, but in the few ceremonies she entered, I was convinced she's no ordinary psychedelic drug. She's this divine living spirit. She appears to me as a geometric multi-dimension four-screen energy that's graphic. I saw some tiny delicate pink sparkles within her and at one point she was like a green coiled fern that was sprouting and uncoiling itself. She's as delicate as the legs of a butterfly or the wings of a dragonfly. She moves with grace and slow fluidity in the pace of one Mississippi, two Mississippi count.
In later ceremonies, I saw her as a Native American woman with a feather in her hair. Half her face was this thumbprint Icaros vibration, and she had this red eye, sort of like a cyborg. During a Deborah Rose medium session at my aunt's house in Staten Island, I was told that my spirit guide was a Native American grandmother. The very next day, after seeing ayahuasca in Native American form, I found the exact large black feather she had in her hair. It's this. This is the exact feather I found. It was in her hair like this, upright. I found this feather on the pathway to the maestro's house in the morning after the ceremony. I was heading there as we usually do to take our morning plant remedy juices before breakfast. Also that next morning, I saw a t-shirt that Manuela was wearing that looked like a picture of Madonna in the Like of Prayer video. After the ceremony that night and before this morning, I had a very vivid dream about Madonna. She, um, was, it was interesting. So when I came to the maestro's house, I was blown away by this coincidence of seeing that exact picture of Madonna on Manuela's t-shirt. It was then after breakfast that I sat in solitude writing in my journal and the Like a Prayer song came to me. Life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name and it feels like home. In the midnight hour, I could feel your power. Just like a prayer, you know I'll take you there. I think it's an awesome coincidence. Towards the end of each of these ceremonies, it's either Olga or Teresa who blessed me at the end of these healing Icaros. It was in the dark, so I had a hard time telling who was who. They take my Rau Initi perfume, it's this essence of Florida they sell in South America, and they spit it in a light mist on my head, hands, and body. They, they kind of take a sip and go, this is it right here. During each ceremony, they bless this perfume with the Ikaro songs, and they sing um, into it, and they put some plant essence into it as well. They also use it for protection. After they spit this mist on me, they take my hands and rub the perfume on me and onto the crown of my head. This fragrance is so potent. I become alert in my psychedelic deep state when I do smell it. It feels like it's protection. And now that these ceremonies are over, they gifted this to me and I could take this home. So every time I smell it now, I'm reminded exactly of what these experiences were in this ayahuasca state and they come right back to me. This bottle is for us to use forever and if it runs out, I can refill it with any sort of perfume. It's this energetic essence that remains strong now it's sort of like how um, holy water is in the Catholic Church. So during ceremony, I saw and released pent-up traumas in my life. They included seeing the Twin Towers collapse during 9-11 and re-experiencing that 9-11 um, time in general. I relived again the financial crisis and economic collapse in 2008. I experienced this personally firsthand when I worked on Wall Street um, at the time during in my job. I also felt very challenging and considerable stress that I had in college and in grad school. I realized that in those ceremonies I worked through um, 
I worked through these traumas. It, it, to me, it, I was working too hard and it was very emotional for me to handle. But at the time, you know, I was going blank to these um, emotions and I repressed these energies. So they came back to me in full force during, you know, the ceremonies. I also felt again how hard it was to work in toxic environments and what it's like to go through several layoffs and periods of job search. Other traumas I understood were bad relationships and death of my grandparents, to name a few more. So all these traumas I actually released. There were over 20 years of these traumas that were pent up inside me for so long. And I held them in as energetic blocks over many, many years. And they manifested into physical pains, anxiety, depression, anxiety, and, gen and general discomfort. After the last ceremony, the Arcana ceremony ended, I shook as if I was having a seizure for a long period of time. I exhaled a lot and I was sweating profusely as well. And at one point, this is where I thought I was having a nervous breakdown. To me, that is where this is really scary. So I want to just say again, the ca being cautious about ayahuasca, how scary it can really be. You know, thankfully, Dennis, who was the local door angel during the ceremony, and my friend Michelle helped calm me down and console me as I was going through this very difficult part. So it's for this reason alone that's very, very important to take ayahuasca seriously. I seriously thought I was going insane. I was convinced when I got home they were going to throw me into a mental institution or into, into prison. Um, we learned that shaking is the body's way of releasing trauma. It's like when a gazelle is being chased by a lion and survives the hunt. It shakes off this fight or flight adrenaline that, was, um, that it felt during the chase. But we humans don't shake off that adrenaline and it accumulates within ourselves. I didn't realize that I didn't have the proper tools over these many years to work through my pain. I just repressed it and ignored it. And now I know that a daily practice that includes gratitude, meditation, eating cleanly, and being with nature and doing yoga are very important. Conversely, I saw that the weight of the world doesn't have to be on my shoulders and that in the grand scheme of things, nothing matters. I can ask for help from others anytime I need it. And I learn that I can express love and be fully available to and present to receive love as well. I also understood that we have to protect nature, protect the plants, I would proclaim under my effects of ayahuasca. In addition, I saw that the good around in my life. And I saw one, my parents are wonderful, I saw family, friends, good people, and everyday situations. I see that I'm very fortunate and that we all are actually. Life is good. And that's my summary of ayahuasca in a nutshell. After spending two weeks together in the Amazon rainforest, we all hugged and said goodbye and hoped to stay in touch. I was grateful to be part of a pretty profound group experience, to say the least. And with that, we made our way back to Iquitos through the rainforest in the rain and continued onward on our own journeys. The next day, I headed onward to Cusco to begin part three of this epic five-week adventure across the world. Our next stop was an ancient alien tour in southern Peru and Bolivia. 
As I mentioned, I'll release all of these ceremonial vlogs in detail on my Embolden Adventures YouTube channel. I'll describe this experience in detail on my Embolden Adventures website, so go visit it at www.emboldenadventures.com. And if you have any questions at all, please email me at sarah, S-A-R-A, at emboldenadventures.com. And you can also leave a comment below um, on this video if you'd like. I'll try to get back to you too. I do want to stress again, I do not endorse anyone taking ayahuasca on their own. It is not fun. It's not a recreational experience. It's a calling and I think it's quite powerful. If and when you do feel ready to do it though, I suggest you work with the trained facilitators and the maestros and maestras in a nature setting. The Temple of the Way of Light is a fantastic retreat center uh, for this experience, so I would recommend this place if you want to do it. And with that, I thank you for tuning in. Give a comment down below. Let me know what you think. Be sure to check out Emboldened Adventures online, on Facebook, and on Instagram too. And please subscribe to my YouTube channel here, Emboldened Adventures. I thank you very much for watching. Be emboldened.